Welcome everyone to Andor, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Galactic Core. My name is Matt, and joining me in the big round white room is Pete. Hello there, Pete. Rebels unite. This is the Andor podcast by Fantastic Geek for Andor episode 11, the penultimate season one episode, Daughter of Ferrix. Pete. Around this time last week, we were watching Black Panther Wakanda Forever together, podcasted it last Sunday. I still continue to kind of, I don't know, to kind of have a glow from being able to discuss that fine film uh, with you and uh, send that out to our listeners on the Marvel Movie Podcast feed and the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Our super-sized podcast of that film there. You want to check it out. And Pete, it being the season of holiday specials, just as we had uh, podcasted the Werewolf by Night uh, special, uh, we will be podcasting the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special uh, the Monday after it streams. It is going to be streaming this upcoming Friday, November 25th, so our podcast for it Monday, November 28th. And this season of Giving, Matt, we will have a gift for one lucky listener uh, at the end of that podcast, uh, we have a number of Marvel movie digital download codes. Uh, so uh, what you're going to do in order to be able to win that is get to Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a review to any of our 30 podcast feeds. It could be to the Marvel movie. It could be to Andor. if you've left one on one, you could go to another and leave one over there. Throw us a heads up when you do that, enter you into the drawing for these multiple, it's at least four might be as many as five. I got to make sure the other one's not used yet. Um, Marvel movie, digital download codes. These are recent movies these are not old old ones uh i'll say phase four and say no more pete also in the last week as we circle back to andor here uh, it was announced something novel it was announced that in this upcoming week the first two episodes of andor will be available on uh the you know broadcast antennae and cable outlets and so forth so uh on well, one's a streamer <laughs> that is true on wednesday on abc at 9 p.m uh the first two episodes will air pete i can only imagine there might also be some commercials there for disney plus uh on thursday on fx the cable channel at 9 p.m the first episodes of andor will air on freeform uh the the little cable channel that disney bought way back when when it was the family channel and never has known what to do with uh, on the 25th, it will air at 9 p.m., and then those first two episodes will be uh, available on Hulu from the 23rd to December 7th. Pete, I was confused why they were doing this initially, because, of course, the initial press release, social media release is totally enthusiastic and so forth, um, and a little analysis on you know Hollywood Reporter and so forth. Basically, the narrative seems to be this, uh, what may be the best Star Wars show ever in Andor, um, it's been kind of implicitly acknowledged that maybe the Disney Plus numbers are not where they would like it to be. So this is a way to really draw attention to the show. On the one hand, I'm like, but it's supposed to be this special Disney Plus thing. But at the end of the day, if it makes the 
audience around the show bigger and the audience more enthusiastic about uh, this great show. That certainly is a good thing. I think it's a wise move. I'm higher on it than uh, Matt at least initially was. I think he's coming around. I think that to do the first two of that first three that we got the very first uh, day they began streaming the show back in September is wise to kind of hook people. All right, you can see the thrilling conclusion and all the others because the finale will have streamed when they start streaming these first two. So it's all there on Disney+. Plus. You give them the first two. Matt, I think there might be some, uh, you know, you, you give a couple away and you hook people uh, type of logic going here and then they keep coming back for it. Um, but I, I think it's a wise move um, between all these spots. All right. And again, they, you know, Disney has access to all of these because they own stakes and uh, all of them. Um, is is wise put it out there you've also got the guardians uh special all right on uh the 25th people will jump on to disney plus for that and i think it's additionally wise because now anybody who prepaid those first three years of disney have re-upped at least for a month or an additional year as was the case with me um so yeah i i think it's a good move i think it will bring additional eyes um the nielsen numbers are up through remember they're a month behind they're four weeks behind they're up through episode seven um so they have continued to climb critically successful uh perhaps not as you know popular um it is a thinking person's show a little bit more action this episode but heading towards a slam bang finale next week plug in you should be able to interpret the entire imperial network let's take a closer look at the data tapes smuggled out about this episode hands and feet grasp the craggy cliffside of Narkina 5 as Cassian Andor and Ruscott Melshi uh, elude a tie reaper that flies by. Melshi can't feel his hands as Andor tells him the ties are leaving. Melshi tells him to stop saying that they're leaving and claims he can't climb back up because his hands won't work. Then he asks Andor to tell them they're leaving. Yeah, I like kind of the repetitive nature of this. Um, I, I think in a in a scene that's not going to give us a ton of fellows on the run and hiding out, um, it's a way to give this sense that they've been prodding each other while they've been on the run for. I assume this is the next day. It, it could be you know several days later, whatever it might be. It's just kind of. It fills the story need there. Uh, we then move to a very, very close close-up uh, of uh, B2 EMO. We hear somewhat disembodied dialogue saying she looks so peaceful. Uh, what about the droid? Um, and B2 moves perhaps in, in anger, perhaps in emotion, as we start to realize that Marva is dead. Brasso... Uh, 
is so sympathetic, Pete, towards B2 EMO, um, maybe more sympathetic towards a droid than anyone else we've ever seen in Star Wars. I don't mean that to necessarily be like the complete statement on the matter, but his concern for B2, the little dog who's been living with the old lady, um, it's, it's, it's a touching moment. Yeah, I mean, from catching Marva's uh, mug that was resting on top of him. He's not just a droid, Matt. He was also kind of like a coffee table, uh, an, an end table, if you will. But, you know, explaining here that they're going to clear out the room if he wants to be alone. Um, getting B to twist and and tell him he doesn't want to be alone he wants marva he wants mom and we really feel for him here um brasso looks at the empty space easy chair uh and tells b that jesse will be there until he gets back b says he can go with brasso who tells jesse b will help her get organized. She, Jesse, says there's a lot to be done, and B reminds Brasso that he said he could go with him. But Brasso tells him the daughters of Ferrix require his assistance in matters of grave importance. And Jesse tells B they all need to pull together. B scrunches down and whimpers here yet again, the credit to the puppeteers, to the people on the digital end of this performance for B2 EMO. Yeah, that that scrunching, that kind of retreating into himself there. Uh, we then cut to a wide shot of the body being taken out with solemn respect. We're viewing from inside the house out onto their street, the, the street, one of the benefits of this extensive indoor outdoor set that they've built the crowd watches at, respectfully of course as she goes by uh also watching is Corve, the imperial agent who we know is an imperial agent uh cinta working as a shop girl is watching as well uh, the two even chat Corv and cinta the two there sent to watch the marva andor residents to see if cassian andor will turn up they're just having a pleasant chat as coffee patron and gal who works in the shop, even as we scream at the TV that they are enemies. Um, again, 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 Tony Gilroy, this, letting this be the thinking person show. We don't need any sort of, you know, core of steps into frame. Dun, dun, dun. Like we can just let it play and we can think to ourselves, oh, my goodness, they're at complete opposite ends and they have no idea. Right that oh looks like someone died uh yeah that happens <laughs> um and all the subtext there like you said relying on the viewer as intelligent people um back on narkina 5 two aliens speak narkinian on the shore by nets and buoys Melshi watches from high above and tells Andor it looks like it's just those two. Andor says that they didn't walk there, so the implication they must have a ship. Melshi, Melshi says it'll be better if they go around. 
and they creep closer and Melshi spies their ship that Andor IDs as an old quad jumper. He doesn't know if uh, he will be able to fly. The interesting aspect, Matt, the quad jumper first seen in The Force Awakens, so further down uh, the timeline, and it's an old ship here. It's the other ship that Ray and Finn are going to try to swipe, uh, and then they wind up running to the hunk of junk, the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy, the Millennium Falcon. Hashtag it's all connected. Pete, maybe one day someone will do a show about how it's the same quad jumper or this quad jumper is the grandfather of that quad jumper. <laughs> it's just, you know, when people when when somebody says, oh, that Andor was too thinking person show, we got to give them what they want. Laser swords. Indeed, Pete, we'll talk later in this episode. Is there a laser sword in this episode? But we'll get to there in due course. Um, the choice that they have is not a great one, but it's the only one. Melshi is ready to make uh, a run for that ship, um, figuring that the aliens won't be able to catch them in time, even if they do spot them. The men run for it at full speed. Uh, the big lumbering aliens, indeed watching, seeming untroubled. Uh, it is, of course, because they have a, a net trap set. One would assume it's perhaps they're, you know been, been set for <laughs> security to rent this very theft or this type of theft uh, and the trap gets both men and quite tightly a defiant Dedra Miro is on the horn with subordinates on Ferrix having just been told Marva died the night before she wants to know they're watching it carefully um, to which they assure her they have full surveillance uh, as a prominent citizen of Ferrix, Marva has earned a big send-off. Uh, they'll want to close Rick's Road and ask for a permit, which they know the Empire won't allow, but they'll keep pestering them. Captain Tygo tells Miro they're the citizens of Ferrix building a list of grievances. Miro tells them uh, that they want a funeral uh, to Tygo's surprise. And that he'll give them a permit. She says they'll keep it small, limit the time and the numbers. They want to put them in a box, stand back and watch. Her assistant, Hirt, asks um, how much time they have. And he's told that two days is the custom until the dead are bricked. Uh, the explanation there that their ashes are mixed with mortar and local stone dust with their name on it, and they will be placed, Marva will be placed in a wall. Pete, it presented, I think, as both a somewhat curious local custom, but also one that uh, is viewed with some reverence. I, for one, look forward to Disney CEO Bob Chapek, former head of parks, announcing coming soon to Disney Parks, your own Ferrix Brick experience. Order now for the low, low price of $45,000 per person. Make it part of your end-of-life plans. Hashtag Disney forever. Hashtag Disney eternal. Matt is surely aware, uh, I would imagine many of our listeners are, of the amount of people who get caught spreading the ashes of loved ones in Disney parks, right? 
Uh, I'm I'm definitely aware of it. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of horror stories, you know, on um, Space Mountain. We'll we'll keep it in the the genre, Matt. You know, you're going over that that big uh, butterfly hill. Your stomach's dropping. Your mouth is open, and then you catch a mouth of uh, Grandpa from the card in front of you. Look, if you're gonna do it, it's got to be Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion or bust, says I. Um, I'm I'm actually, uh, yeah, either that or part of the water system there because it all recycles. Pete, anyhow, absolutely left. That's the most common spot uh, in the waterways. Back to Andor. Uh, the aliens who have caught him and Melshi, they they appear. Uh, is he my? What's that? I'm, I'm using their their cutesy expression. My, zy, my. <laughs> Indeed, they appear to be ready to turn the men in. Um, discussion. Discussion between them about how the Empire wants them dead or alive. There's a bounty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But all the Empire does is kill. You see here the dead or alive, not respecting life. They kill the water. They kill the squigglies in the water, and so forth. Uh, the 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 thesis being bad empire and there will be no killing today uh so the aliens free the men it turns out they're they're ready to help them kind of as you know your runaway prisoners anti-empire we are philosophically anti-empire let's help you out in the old quad jumper where are you headed neomos sure thing as the quad jumper i mean just barely limps away they're about you know they're about two meters away from landing in the drink as they slowly take off scob the empire we never get a name on the talkative alien love the practical uh prosthetics freedy the other one who at one point it looks like he's going to use the blade that extends from his right arm to chop up Andor and melshi instead unlocks the trap takes him out of the net and yeah sure we'll give you a ride to the old pleasure planet with that we cut to clea cleaning a coin which is uh, a series of similar starting sounds there uh, she's in the rear of the shop i've noticed before but fully appreciate here how from the rear area you can nonetheless look through the window to see the main shop area and indeed to see out through the front windows of the shop. So really heads up uh, set design here. She does see a patron out front, perhaps considering uh, entering. It is, of course, Vel on the outside, and Clea, acting as shopkeeper, uh, lets her in. Vel says that she understands her cousin shops here. You know, can, can we talk? Are we alone? Uh, Clea keeps up the shopkeeper nature, uh, noting that Senator Mon Mothma does indeed uh, collect jewelry and there are rules for a reason as i think if nothing else it's clear to uh to vel that indeed you can speak freely here no bugs or trouble or people listening in the back and that sort of thing the subterfuge here that she clea has to keep up the appearance that vel sartha is a potential customer let me show you around and even as they're having this very tense conversation where Clea is explaining, hey, you're breaking the rules. 
he's not here, you're going to get yourself, us, in trouble. And Vel, who before, you know, oh, I'm not even going to tell Cassie and Andor uh, Luthen's name. Who are you talking about? That she's she's violating the very rules that she's enforced in the past. That we go around the gallery here. Uh, Matt, it's my favorite uh, spectator sport each week. What's in Luthen's gallery this week? A uh, couple of uh, Wookiee clubs that they ultimately wind up in front of on the left side. If you're looking in of the gallery, love to the effect that, you know, you, you talked about that open window to the back of the set, the store, to the showroom and needing to be buzzed in. That You don't just walk into this gallery and it's it's all a part of the appearance, but keeping with the security uh hey this is essentially our base of operations our safe house yeah well let's get into a line of business so that we can do that it's a gallery you don't just have people come when there's super ritzy things they're going to steal our bejeweled wookie club the 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 gungan energy shield that's in the rear i mean everywhere they want a gungan energy shield it's bomb bad <laughs> Um, it is, uh, as you mentioned, Pete, Luthen is not here. Uh, Vel knows that, uh, for the Fondor is gone. She, she checked out back. Uh, Vel takes credit for the success of Aldani, you know, respect me. I made this thing possible. What has Clea done lately for Luthen? Uh, Clea pauses and again, just delicious, wonderful writing here. She doesn't have a lately. She has an, an always with a blur of plates spinning and knives on the floor. So again, the the implication here that there's there's a dozen other mini Aldani's out there that Clea has helped quarterback. Uh, but what is Vel's information that she wants to share? Vel seems a little unwilling to share. Oh, Clea will even give credit to Vel. You know, I'll tell Luthen it came from you, Vel. Um, and then the info ultimately is that Marva is dead. And things are going to get busy on Ferrix. Uh, Pete, an indication that the disparate threads of our story are all coming together for a jam-packed season ender next week. Uh, but thank you for shopping and good day. I say good day, ma'am. The the holding out of the hand there. It's a really well designed scene. Um, Cinta says it's very busy on Ferrix, uh, and yeah. Why don't you not let the revolving door hit you where the force splits you? On the aforementioned Ferrix, Corv continues to watch the comings and goings to Marva's, where everyone's converging for the season one finale next week from that cafe. Brasso goes in and B is glad he's back. Cinta watches as she wipes down a table. And Corv inside talks into a comm that the big man, Brasso, is on site. He wants full coverage with spotters in front and back. He wants to know immediately if anybody comes or goes, deliveries, anything. And Matt, we know they're going to miss something if they haven't already missed something. Talk about that in theories. If only there was some sort of subterranean network or, and so forth that's already been seeded in other episodes. 
Uh, some time passes, and the home is now much more empty. It's also time for B to go. B says that he's charging and can't go. Uh, it's noted he's been charging all day. Uh, but Marva isn't here anymore. Uh, she's gone now. She's uh, in the stone. She's been baked into the brick. There you go. Um, Brasso says, now come along. She wouldn't want you, B, to be alone. Uh, B kind of floats the idea. What if we stayed here? Fine, says Brasso. One more night. Uh, and Pete, suddenly, B2 AMO does not need to be charging anymore as he yes. leaps off his uh, digital doggy bed and is ready to <laughs> get some nice pats and scratches behind the digital ears. Uh, I'm ready for the digital doggy bed doggy bed that I'll be able to buy through uh, a Disney app or a, a website soon enough. Um, from the guy ringing the bell, and Matt, I don't know if you're aware of this, it's been confirmed that surface he's striking is Beskar uh, to create the, the quitting time, working time tones every day uh, through this scene where you know Brasso's either looking I want to say it's Marva's bed but I think there's a little bit to give you the subtext it was perhaps Cassian's because he's got that kind of brotherhood with him here you know this was the place where he grew up in Ferrix having come from Canari um you know we've not talked about it in a while and you're going to have to imagine they will come back to this in the finale as well. The sister, the search there still, you know, now that Cassian's lost his adopted mother, that's going to drive the blood relation story even more. You're probably right. I do wonder, was that just a function of we need to have Andor we need to have Andor on a secret mission at the beginning of the first episode. And we need to have a flashback story. There is no doubt in my mind, the sister lives, whether or not we see her in season one or we get her in season two, she's out there. We cut to a haggard and hazy Bix, uh, so much worse for wear uh, after one can infer repeated torture and question sessions. Uh, the Imperial officer who is identified in subtitles as Key Sax, K-E-Y-S-A-X. Now, Pete, me as a former saxophone player, me as a former saxophonist, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to trust Key Sax. He is so polite as he asks Bix if she would care to join him. Uh, and they go down the hall, Bix half able to walk. Uh, Pete, I think that perhaps Key Sax is maybe the rare saxophonist who is not a good guy the sound that these young dying dizonites makes that's been recorded and uh you know thrust upon people being interrogated by the empire we don't know how many times that Bix has heard it. We were told that it's the repeat listenings that tend to do the damage. But, you know, her inability to walk on her own, the makeup that they do here on uh, Adria, Arjona, 
really sells this effect. It does. And as for the meat of the scene here, uh, she's going to be asked a question and they want an answer, an answer that they believe. Otherwise, Dr. Gorst is going to come on back. She's shown a hollow of Anto Krieger. Uh, the name, the face. It looks have like a, look. a video game character. <laughs> it kind of does. It, it looks awful. And I get it. Some people have pointed out that the one we've been shown of a uh, clean shaven, younger Cassian looks bad too. But man, you can't just cast somebody and do a hollow. Is it maybe because this is a composite sketch that's done in three, like it, within the world of Star Wars, they don't, is it possible they don't have a picture of Anto Krieger that the Talk ISB the sketch? That it's a line of dialogue away. Would you please look at what we believe to be a composite of someone named Anto Krieger? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, ha have a look. You know, it's a composite Imperial image. Sketch hollow artists have created this bix. Yeah. Um, probably your Tony Gilroy, who increasingly clearly uh, also loves Star Trek. Um, probably he was like, you know, in Star Trek they don't say a phaser, an elegant weapon that can shoot phased energy for both stun and kill. They just go bang bang. Um, which was a Gene Roddenberry thing. In cop shows, they don't say, this is a pistol. It fires six bullets. They just go, stick them up. It's my, or whatever. It's my police gun. Um, probably Tony Gilroy was like, we won't explain such things. Pleh. They need to row faster, those dullards who will watch this show. Uh, regardless, Pete, why are they mentioning Anto Krieger here? Um, the question is, is this face the one that she introduced to andor the implication and i like that it's kind of not overly hammered home for the audience they think that anto krieger is axis which is interesting of course we're headed you know low on the list of things covered in this episode um but covered and covered more in a couple scenes uh is the fact that the attack on spellhouse led by anto krieger that's happening soon that's going to climax soon um, so again, this story of the ISB triumphant zeroing in on closing down this, this cell here, Axis, Anto Krieger, can she confirm it? She of course considers and considers it. We're again yelling at the TV saying, say yes, he's dead meat anyway. If you say yes, he is the guy you introduced, uh, to Andor, then it's a closed loop and everybody's better. Uh, but instead, Pete, she sobs overcome by her recent experiences bald bearded burly anto krieger that saw guerrera has uh previously identified as a separatist he doesn't see eye to eye with him also an ox that he's maybe not as precise as saw is and could here be the ball guy and like you said it's the fear that bix clean has that well, if they determine that I'm wrong, they're going to make me listen to, you know, the worst mixtape ever. We cut to Mon Mothma, um, kind of mid-scene, but we, we understand. Nope, steady and braided and trust, Matt. There, there you go. She's they told her. She's considering her daughter and others as they revisit the strange 
magnetic orthodoxy of Chandrilla. Uh, Vel is there similarly shocked. You know, the, the, the clear subtext being, you know, the independent Mon, the independent Vel uh, off put by the, the traditional, uh, the, the traditions here. Uh, I think one can further suggest further infer that these two women are off put by what the Chandrillan orthodoxy has to say about women and girls and so forth. Um, Mon says it wasn't me. Blame then falls. Well, surely it was Perrin, that rascal, that 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 dog. No, 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 it's not Perrin either. He's also oddly rather similarly uh, liberal when it comes to such things. It's Lita herself who loves it, who is uh, going back to the stifling embrace of old ways. She found the elder. She has organized all of this. Mon looks horrified, and so is Vel. The subtext within this scene that the young girls carrying out both this uh, group chant and then Lita at one point individually reciting the chant and you know the the look on vel um wait i i thought this was over well mon did it on chandrilla uh vel never did we know of course vel is different um the implication here that whatever this practice is would look down on people like Auntie Vel, who loves Cinta. Um, and the trouble that Mon is in, both financially, and then now it's tangential connection to this situation. Indeed, uh, Vel saying well well surely you're not taking proposals uh we of course know that mon is proposals of uh of arranged marriage and so forth that mon is considering such a thing uh as seen in the last episode uh mon recaps the money woes uh and brings vel into all the worries of the chandrillan banking situation starting to dry up access to family funds and so forth mon is in so much trouble and it can't be exposed at any cost. With that, Pete, the cost, Lita enters the scene, uh, enters their space there, and comes to say hello to Auntie Vel. Yes, this missing 400,000 credits that we're recapping, we've heard this a number of times, that Vel is now aware that Tay Colma, who Mon tells her that she could trust, also that Vel knew immediately who Mon would go to if she was in trouble because Perrin is a jerk. Um, and, you know, the auntie cousin catching up with uh, Lita here, looking at the braids, if I give it a small foul, she's been wearing these braids around uh, Vel before, we know they film things out of order and now it's suddenly like, Oh, you're doing this thing that I don't really approve of and probably doesn't approve of people like me. Uh, yeah. How's it going? I'm going to make a point of it in this episode. Whereas I didn't 
previously. It's wonderful to see Star Wars entering into discussions of, of such particulars and maybe this isn't the time or place to say should star wars should there be a star wars show that has more of a direct conversation about it ultimately science fiction here at the service of metaphor and at the service of uh otherworldly combinations of things you know whether it's flying saucers or you know laser blasters or whatever um the star wars universe is better for trying to tackle <laughs> multiple issues and scenes like this uh, we then move to the Karn residence where mom says that Cyril has a call. Uh, it's the sergeant, Sergeant Mosk, uh, who's working at a smelting plant. Uh, but he has some Andor information. Uh, of course, they have a bad connection and so forth. Uh, the mother has passed away. There's a lot of chatter going to Coruscant. Who? Back. Who's mother? Who's on <laughs> uh, Indeed. Um, the thought is that Andor will be on the funeral. Um, and actually, Pete, just as I look at the summary of this scene, that's basically about it in terms of info sharing, but it really does a nice job of like the lousy connection. What? What? Yes, that's it. No, I'm here. You're there. He's in the third place uh, and so forth. Uh, but again, the idea, the thought is that Andor will be at the funeral, clearly setting up Karn on Ferrix as well. Uh, and ultimately, the call is dropped. And mom is very unimpressed that that was all the drama that got Karn in trouble in the first place. He can sleep peacefully now that this space dial-up internet froze towards the tail end of the call. I, I could have swore I heard a wah, 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 uh, AOL sound as it uh, timed out. On Neomos, we're back there at the, at the shore side uh, for an establishing shot. Then we're back in the... Uh, I, I would say familiar hotel room. We didn't spend a lot of time there, but familiar enough. Uh, an alien snoozes, Pete. I couldn't quite tell if he was snoozing. There's uh, two. Uh, there you go. Snoozing, perhaps with a lady. There uh, is. Or a gentleman. Whatever, whatever the alien wants. It's all it's all respected here. Um, but in the bathroom area, Andor has snuck in. Uh, he's got his case. There's Pete, as with all of us, what's he got in there? Guns, money, manifesto, Okay. It's all still there. Why would he open the case and count the money? Why would he accidentally press the button on Nemec's manifesto? Pete, it's because it's TV, and they need to just remind you what those things are. Otherwise, you're not going to know what's in there. Uh, but he checks it, takes the case, and tiptoes out. We need to show, of course, here, not to tell, that alien, Matt, may look, the species may look familiar, um, that is a packethip, okay, um, was first created for the 1997 Star Wars Special Edition. It is seen uh, in the cantina. Um, they made both a practical and there's a digital render of it. And fun fact, it's been used facing both directions as different aliens you flip it around and it's got uh eyes in the front it looks kind of like a frog you flip it around and it's got the tentacles up front here um and has also been seen in rogue one was similarly snoozing in a cell with Jin urso could it even be 
this same one. I look forward when somebody, not Tony Gilroy, makes the story about Squid Face and how the Squid Face story and how it's all connected. Be careful about Squid Face because before they named a lot of these aliens with a species, you know, going back to that original Star Wars, there was Walrus Man, now Ponda Baba. There was Hammerhead, now an Ithorian, the race. Um, the, the character there known as Ketwall. Um, and yeah, so when you say uh, Squid Face in Return of the Jedi, there is a, uh, a Corrin species, the character originally called Squidhead. There's even another George Lucas movie uh, that has a character named Wolfman. Uh, but that's, uh, that's another discussion entirely. Uh, we cut to Luthen, who is back to visit Saw Gerrera. But before he's let into the inner cave sanctum, he's stopped by two tubes. It is search time. Uh, why is there a search for, you know, Luthen, who's trusted enough? Uh, Saw's in the mood. Um, Luthen... Um, has some stuff uh including uh you know, you know whether it's a stick or perhaps pete a hilt which some people say is a lightsaber which means luthan is a jedi which means that luke skywalker will save the day or maybe not but it is a notable thing that he has that maybe there's more to talk about um but pete take yeah, us to saw back. what's that put it down or give it back there you go um but pete take us to saw who's ready to jump into the action now ready for some Hot Spellhouse action. He is in on the Spellhouse power station. Raid, tell Krieger, he tells Luthen, he'll bring air power, but will take tactical orders from no one. We saw not just one, as we did last time, but now two partisan X-Wings hanging outside his cave uh, does he only have two? Does he have 200? We just don't know, but that's obviously how they're going to help. Okay. We know what Luthan knows, and that's what makes this scene on top of the performances of, you know, two actors at the height of their games so watchable. Uh, well, eh, you took your time in coming back to me about this saw who wants to loot the eastern garrison of the power station when he helps out and take all they can carry off and he also wants all that gear that luthan had previously promised when he was trying to get him to team up with anto krieger uh but luthan uh further attempts to dissuade him while it's happening tomorrow but saw can be ready they have charts all Krieger has to do is tell him when he wants their help and agree to Saw's terms. Make it happen, Luthen. But Luthen thinks not. Um, well, why not? He was so eager for it. And Luthen explains the ISB knows Krieger's plan and they will be waiting for him. But how does he know? Of course, Luthen's not going to tell him that. And does Krieger know? Uh, so, yeah, kind of uh, the potential here for conspiracy upon conspiracy and so forth. Um, Luthen's not going. Deception. 
Luthen's not going to share how he knows. However, Saw is getting the head up. Krieger, the, the heads up. Krieger is not. Um, what, what if Saw tells Krieger? Well, you know, hopefully Saw will keep the secret. He is the random factor here. Saw intuits that Luthen is either ISB or protecting someone. Uh, is this worth losing Krieger? Um, there's a solid connection between Krieger and Luthen says Saw. However, it all is rather ethereal. I love the notion that, yes, Luthen has worked with Krieger, um, supplies, dead drops, that sort of thing. But Krieger doesn't even know that he's been in the same room as Luthen. I would just love that little side yeah, it's probably a story best untold, but just the notion of, you know, again, Luthen's wheels on top of wheels here. Um, Krieger can go down and the long game be played, or they could prevent some short-term damage. Saul wonders, uh, does Luthen have someone here? You know, he seems to have eyes and ears everywhere. Who's his plant in the Saw crew? Luthen kind of half earnestly offers up two tubes yeah two tubes tells me everything not me says two tubes um but that lets the men draw closer so that luthan can draw pete i have to admit i didn't quite see it did he does he draw saw's blaster or two tubes is blaster tubes okay um but ultimately the point being now that there's a blaster to saw's face if luthan wants to pull the trigger right now boom the saw problem is done with furthermore if Krieger goes down, the ISB will feel invisible, uh, invincible rather, and the field will be clear. Um, of course, Luthen could just, in addition to, you know, pulling the trigger now, he could just let Saw go. And now two problems are taken care of if Luthen is ISB. He could let Saw and Krieger go into the jaws of death. Um, but Saw ultimately understands it's 30 men plus Krieger. Uh, who will die for the greater good, not just for the greater good, for this war. Yeah, that they call it war here. It's the type of sacrifice that a resistance would have to be prepared to make. We know that the empire is unyielding, the full expectation that they would be paranoid, but that the resistance, this cuts back to, you know, Luthen's speech delivered so well by Stellan Skarsgård in the previous episode. You know, I am condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. He's not just talking about, you know, blasters and other gadgets. He's talking about their techniques. Um, so he's got to move forward these 30 men and their leader as pawns let them take the fall and to stand back and, and watch the empire back off all right we we have crushed another uh threat to our regime um and then be able to go their way back on coruscant mom Edie heads out and her son, Cyril Karn, hides in the shadows of their apartment complex, watching her leave, and then sneaks back into her apartment, unlocks a safe where there is jewelry. Uh, he takes some credits and locks it again. Yeah, certainly he's 
look, Karn's not getting much in this episode. Pete, I think we're going to get more Karn in the finale for sure. Uh, we go to Clea, who is radioing the Fondor. She's, of course, in the shop. Um, they talk in metaphor about the deal, about bargaining more. Luthen is curious about the other piece. Um, he's told that he should come home. You know, that other piece, the negotiations, they're still in play, but it's complicated. Maybe we should walk away from it. But he wants the piece. It can't be lost to another collector. Uh, then suddenly there's static, lots of static. We see the the little Fondor uh, over the planet there now being tailed by a very, very big, not the biggest we've ever seen, but a very, very big Imperial cruiser. Yes, with the dish up front there of the several that it has. Uh, Luthen heads to the cockpit as the alarm sounds, and it's the Segra Milo, that's the planet there over there, Imperial Patrol, and needs the identification of that hall craft. Uh, Luthen tells the ship droid he needs an active transponder ID, preference Alderaan. Uh, and then plays the role over the radio there. Oh, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Uh, I'll, I'll get you your uh, your transponder. Here's my code from Alderaan, uh, which they run. And the droid tells him that it is an arrestor cruiser behind him, a Cantwell class. Cantwell actually uh, is a recently deceased um ILM uh, uh, artist that they were drawing the uh, the name from uh, as an homage. Three clicks in closing. Um, is there something wrong there, Patrol? And of course, they let him know that there's partisan activity in the area. You know this piracy zone. You were you weren't down there with that song or era, were you? I, it's a great scene. Uh, I will wonder again. This is. I know, Pete, every week we go back and forth from Tony Gilroy, the greatest thing since sliced bread, and Tony Gilroy, the, I don't know, the goofus. Um, is there maybe a version of this scene that's a little bit more like, you know, a la the, uh, you know, Star Trek Two, where it's like, you know, let's put in the the thing to take over the other bridge. Oh, it's just coming through now. Like, could there be a little bit more tension to it, a little bit more like dun-dun-dun-dun kind of music? It's, it's, it's downplayed a bit but we see that luthan is um uh getting ready with uh first of all with a a, a decoy uh burn on thruster four. Oh, sorry uh empire my my engine is overheating in a little bit he'll be like it's just me here as i as i do the things and push the buttons and stuff um but we also see um you know that he's starting to charge the countermeasures it's halfway there the tractor force is calibrated again here's where the line comes i'm just a one-man show here as i as i really try and do what you're saying here um well, not trying to get away right now the id that he gave comes back clean um should we let him go says uh number two guy on the bridge no 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 uh, we could use the practice here uh luthan revs up all right, get the tractor now up to tractor factor five. Um, we see the countermeasures are now charged to full, uh, and Luthen lets uh, Pete Space Flack go, um, and it's pulled into the cruiser, taking out the main dish. Um, the tractor beam is failing, and Pete, where is that air wing? 
uh, two ties launch, joining another and a tie bomber, presumably coming from the other side of this arrestor cruiser. The tractor beacon being down. Um, what does Luthen do? He turns his ship back toward it, uh, pushes another button, cannons come up. He takes out one of the ties. Uh, in addition to the Thai bomber and then twists towards the cruiser flies by the bridge. Um, the ties turn back. He folds his wings down. And then uh, we have red objects on either side project that he uses uh, as he spins a barrel roll to get one and then the other and then jumps to hyperspace out of there, the wreckage left behind that's seen one from uh, Captain Elk's uh, vantage point there, and then the great closing shot of the reflection of it through the uh, viewing port, shaking his head. This dude's totally gonna get a neck massage from Darth Vader blood having been spilled here we go back to ferrix where uh zanwan freight takes a call wait who is this oh it's andor wait is that cassian no names no names uh andor's message is tell marva i'm thinking of her i'll get back soon tell her zan i'll be back for the finale <laughs> um or, or rather his plan is not to be back he'll be back at some point but not next week but this is when the bad news is delivered. Marva is dead. Uh, we cut to Cassian taking the news silently in a powerful moment. Um, Pete, a slightly wider shot would have really, really made it clear that he's at one of those space telephone booths. But you know what? We don't need to see that he's at a space telephone booth. Because, yeah, like we, we just saw him have the conversation. It all works. Keep the camera on for this acting moment here. Um, a wide shot shows that Melshi is watching from a respectable distance away. Uh, Andor steps to him. Everything okay? Andor nods. Everything okay is his response. Uh, I do have to wonder, Pete, in that phrasing there, everything okay, the response, is it maybe a line flub there? You know, it should be everything's okay. I think that there's emotion in the moment that is so genuine and so real that if it is a slight line flub, you go with the take that is, you go with the take that is the emotion that is not necessarily the grammatically correct one. So much of Diego Luna's acting in this scene done without dialogue. And, and then when it is, you know, that it's the grammatically incorrect selling the grief that he feels. Melshi and his civvies standing by here you know, for a really important moment in Andor's life, not even knowing it. Um, and as they look out, as Melshi notes all the space, the fresh air, it's like a dream. We don't know how long Melshi was imprisoned before Cassian got there. And he wonders how many made it, how many of them made it out alive. Not enough. Uh, what if it's just them, the only ones, and someone has got to tell people what is happening? 
They need to split up to double their chances. One of them has to make it before they reunite on Scarif at the end of their lives and both die. Yeah, one of us has to make it. And also, one of us is a series lead with the season finale on Ferrix next week. So I think <laughs> maybe for him. <laughs> I'm a peace out and catch you in season two, my, my bro. They shake hands, they bro hug, uh, and they part as Andor considers the horizon. The people are starting to stand up. Just how will the revolution happen? Pete, I want to take a minute just to step back and marvel, not Marva, but marvel at, you know, we, we knew all season long, okay, the story did spread out a little bit and, and you know, seemingly things were unconnected, although, you know, I don't think we really believed that. Just the notion that next week we can anticipate Andor on Ferrix, the whole Ferrix family there, you know, B2, um, Brasso and so forth. We know that Bix is still there in the hotel turned, uh, you know, uh, Imperial HQ. Um, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump for Dedra Miro to be there as well as she takes further interest in the funeral and so forth. Um, the only seemingly unconnected piece at the moment would be Luthen, but plenty of possibility for him to show up or maybe not because there is a second season. It's just what a road we've gone the last couple episodes to really be ready for this finale where everything has come to focus. Convergence here, Karn on the way there, um, you know, analyzing the trailers and footage that's out. There's still some Luthan stuff. You know, he gets out of the Fondor and powerfully pulls the hood up. So maybe he can't be recognized. Um without his Coruscant wig on there. So yeah, they're all going to wind up in the same place for the funeral. Um, you know, what will take place there? What will happen? I, I think we close this segment with our predictions for the finale. Um, that Marva has died off screen here, Matt, that Fiona Shaw didn't get the big dying words, you know, and for my adoptive son, Cassian, I hope that he, uh, uh. We're not he, done he, he might, he, he's always been by himself, but I hope that he's not always the rogue one <laughs> that he can work with others, you know, to have stars wars, before the Empire strikes back and the Jedi return to see the Force awaken the last Jedi for the rise of Skywalker, um, we're going to get more Fiona Shaw in the finale of... As a Force ghost, Pete? <laughs> well, Matt, there's a technology we saw employed not so well in this episode of holograms. Um that I, I think perhaps she's uh, recorded. If not, uh, she will be glimpsed as. Um, when we make the transition in this episode from um, Narkina 5, where uh, Cassian and Melshi are uh, eluding the TIE fighter, uh, that TIE fighter, a TIE Reaper seen in Rogue One, it's the one that carries the Death Troopers out 
to uh, really put down the rebels on Scarif. Um, and then we transition to Ferrix and the whole thing that we see through B2 EMO's eye is he's got at least two little uh, viewpoints there. Um, but there's kind of like this watery transition. Um, we've talked about the tunnels. We've talked about, uh, you know, the hotel there um, and the rattling. We perceive it here as emotion, that he's frustrated, that he's upset. I'm going to propose that he's in or part of uh, Marva's plan. Um, we're assuming here that Marva died peacefully. We hear the discussion that she looks so peaceful. But we have all these daughters of Ferrix, of which Marva um, was, you know, uh, notable. And we don't definitively know how she went. Um, I think there's a bigger plan uh, at play here. And I think that B2 EMO uh, saw it and or, pun intended, is in on it. I think sometimes in our view of this show, because we're so locked into, you know, the first Rebel Alliance attack was in A New Hope. And then you say, well, you know, but the crawl said, having come from their first successful Fingus, okay, that's now Rogue One. But before that, it kind of was, you know, that was, that, that was their, yeah, like that was their big announcement. But then you say, well, but clearly it was on the rise before then. And now you can backtrack a bit more. Uh, as you mentioned, Aldani being another biggie that was kind of big in the news that week or big in the news for a couple of days. I do think that, you know, we should all be mindful that there is the story space for next week to be a big, you know, pow pow finale. Um, and the possible, you know, like it could be, it could be news across the galaxy for a day or two. Oh man, that terrorist explosion at the hotel on Ferrix left 30 good Imperial officers dead. Um, that's a story that would be interesting for a day or two, and then we kind of would continue on. It's not necessarily, you know, I know we've had the episode announcement, but it's not necessarily the announcement of, um, you know, plans stolen in Rogue One or the destruction of the Death Star, even more kind of uh, more of an exclamation point. Uh, again, for a show that has shown a lot of restraint a lot of the time, like, Pete, was this our first space battle this week? It was, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, for a show that's had restraint like that, that's not to say we're going to have a talky 38-minute reflection on democracy versus uh, the strong hand of control. And, and you know, I don't think that's our finale. I think we get the pew-pews and the explosions and twists and turns and, uh, and so forth. So Corv says he wants full surveillance. He's been told by... Supervisor Lieutenant Dedra Miro, keep a close eye. Uh, that's where I think they're further seeing that uh, what's looked normal, the comings and goings here, has actually been some kind of plan put into place. And they didn't 
miss it, it wasn't noticeable. Pete, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a theory in opposition to one of your theories, and usually that's that's a dangerous proposition because spoiler <laughs> Pete tends to be right. Uh, we know that there are the subterranean uh, tunnels and so forth underneath, most immediately underneath the hotel. Uh, one can assume in in, in uh, the town in general. What if Pete Marva's not dead? What if she went down through the tunnels? What if got moved? To, you know, what if the body was a bunch of explosives or this or that? What if what if the Daughters of Ferrix are about to attack in a big way in that regard? And as you say, all the all the monitored comings and goings, that's just been uh, a way which you can move materiel for the rebellion to uh, to ramp up. We did not see the body. So there is that possibility, of course. Um, that Jesse tells B, hey, you know, we need to pull together here, that we have to do it. Uh, I, I think it's a group effort as Brasso in on it. Um, you know, we'll have to see. But this theme we've seen throughout the scenes on Ferrix where they kind of, pitch in and help each other out, use the clanging of objects to alert other people. Uh, bad things are going down under the Empire. They've been placed further under the thumb after the initial incident. It's a great place to come back after these first 11 episodes to finish out the first season here. Um, Vel is headed there to see Cinta. Um, obviously, Andor has to show up there. Will Vel and or Cinta take their shot at him? Uh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question, and I think that it ties into another question, which is, what's the price paid in the finale? I don't think there's any hero character in this show who i want to lose in the finale i would say for the villain characters miro at the top i mean very compelling characters there as well i you know i think rumors of you know of uh denise goff saying you know hey stellan maybe we'll catch you next year like when we shoot season two like it's heartening to hear that that she'll be around for season two as well the no i mean you know vel andor Sinta takes her shot at andor we know andor is not going to die so does that mean you know to answer your question pete do one of them take a shot well if you want to have some kind of weight to the finale one way to do it is to kill off a character or characters uh how about the the star-crossed lovers in vel and cinta who have been kept apart by a variety of things including loyalty to the rebellion the notion that they are both so loyal as to take out andor despite the fact we know he's critical to the future of the rebellion and if one of them you know if if as the empire watches you know gun gun the shopkeeper she has a gun take her out snipers boom cinta dying in vel's arms or vel dying in cinta's arms in similar circumstances i'm not arguing for it at all it certainly would be tragic and it certainly would be like, you know, uh, there, there's no coming back from that. That's not the aesthetic of the show and so forth. So to say goodbye to a character 
as they carry out what was their duty but should not be their duty um that would have a lot of emotional resonance gosh i hope not um i don't want to see star wars tap into this trope of killing off gay characters gay couples um or one of the partners i think it's more likely that you know we'll see perhaps some setup by one if not both uh all right got him at the end of a blaster uh site and then maybe luthan comes in to shut that down at the last moment there bix is still struggling from the effects of the dying Dizonite uh, children recording. How many listens has she had, Matt? Um, I think several. I think that, you know, enough where one gathers that you don't shake that off pretty quickly, but I think enough to a point where the threat of getting it let's say she's had it three times the threat of getting it a fourth time you're just emotionally broken at that point to to skip to the end and say i'll give you what you want um i would have to kind of mentally go back i mean about how long has she been there does a week sound about right to you pete yeah maybe a little okay bit. so i think you know in a week's time two three sessions um i think that uh, Pete, I'm certainly no uh, expert in uh, what some would call enhanced interrogation techniques, but I think that dramatically speaking, that kind of tracks to the level of her just, you know, emotional and physical uh, weariness. Leah's fanaticism is exposed in this episode that it's she who is driving these returns. Uh, this return. Uh, at least for her family, to these old ways that uh, Mon Mothma and Perrin presumably um, became married, betrothed under. Uh, but back on their home planet, it's strangely popular amongst Chandrillans on Coruscant. Um, we know of the potential with uh, Davos Skulden's son of a match there maybe of somebody else um and how that might impact the story going forward yeah there's a lot that may go on next week the show again the show with the virtue of knowing as they're making this season that they have the second season um i don't know that i don't know at what point in the production they knew that next season was going to have, uh, you know, be separated into pods. And, out, you know, after two or three weeks, four years, you know, uh, four year BB, four years until BBY, then three and two and so forth. I don't know that they knew that, but certainly if the arc had been, oh man, we're going to do, uh, you know, a exploration of Lita's character. We're going to do that, you know, across, um, 15 episodes of a 50 episode series oh wait now it's 24 episodes okay well you can do the time jumps uh, you can evaluate what is the most important part to keep what do you get rid of and so forth so that's a long way of saying pete do we address any of that next week perhaps not i think the story is also aided by the fact that 
if season two picks up one year later and you're filming it approximately a year and a half to two years afterwards, you know, the actress playing Lita will have aged up enough where you can say, here she is a year later and really into being betrothed or really into the braid and the all of that. Like, that kind of all tracks in a way that I think that makes story sense. So I don't know that we get much of it next week. It will be interesting to see kind of narratively what does next week look like in terms of being prepared for a jump in time um, versus, you know, other shows where fine, there'll be this break in production, but you could sit and say, and there's a bomb beneath the table, dun, 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 season finale. Well, next episode, even if it's a year or two from now, we're going to come right back to that moment. So something else to keep in mind for next week. This missing 400,000 credits. We know that the Aldani team got off with tens of millions of credits, and it is protected in the line of dialogue in this episode. Luthen does not know the extent of Mon's money problem since Aldani, uh, that this is missing, but, you know, why not replace it with that stolen loot? Oh, hey, we paid it back. A very reasonable prediction. However, we don't know. We don't know much about Mon Mothma at this point in her life. We know where she's headed with the Rebel Alliance and so forth. Perhaps this money thing is what you know leads to scandal and leads to her resigning and, and so forth. That would be... That would be something that next week's episode could handle in, you know, five or eight minutes worth of story. And, you know, all right, you're out of the Senate, clear out of your sweet Senate apartment. Then when we see her next season, when we see her a year later, she's more uh, infiltrated and part of the the growing Rebel Alliance. The um, thing that I took away from the scene with Mon and Vel on the couch there and Vel bringing up Tay Colma, in addition to the idea that, hey, just take from that other big pile of money we know was floating out there um, that has been stolen and to replace the money that belongs to her that's going to look conspicuous if it's not. Um, could Tay Colma be the fall guy could he be a patsy well hey uh he moved this big amount out of uh my family's funds does that show a change in mon uh that like a luthan willing to sacrifice an anto krieger that she'd sacrifice tay we thought this show was going to be about how Andor went from, you know, kind of selfish knave to more selfless and ready to give up his life for the rebellion in Rogue One and all of that. Um, we've also seen that arc for Luthen quite clearly, you know, need to come out of the sh middle of the season. I need to come out of the shadows and take a stand and be heard and more risks and all that. So, too, it seems to be is the case for Mon Mothma. She seems to be resigns to the fact that her daughter is going to be placed into 
um, th- you know, this marriage situation in order to help the banking situation. Um, maybe the story throwing us a bone that Lita is more willing, is going to be more of a willing participant to it. Um, that's whether that's the original idea of the story arc or if that's a note that came from the studio or whatever it might be. Like, I don't, I don't hate that as a note, but if you are going to make Lita more of a willing participant, how are you going to get the blood on Mon Mothma's hands here? Her selling out, uh, her old love, take Homa, uh, or at least one can infer certainly her old, um, her old, uh, friend here. And so Mom forth. Old boyfriend. Yes. Said, um, Played by Ben Miles, who Pete, I don't think you watched The Crown, but in in he played a role in The Crown in season one or two, and you know every two seasons they they redo the cast and so forth. But uh, he made a return in flashback. I, some of it um, old footage. I don't know if some of it was new, but similarly, the old love take Homa returning that actor Ben Miles returning as the old love. What if etc um roads not taken and so forth returning in season five of the crown we could get that here with the other ben miles character Takeoma, where whether willingly or not he might be sent to fall on the sword for the greater good again especially since we have less story blood on mon mothma's hands if lita's okay being put into an arranged marriage we could still use a story kick at the end of the season to go Mon Mothma heavy lies the crown. And I don't know if I could do that Mon Mothma. And this could be it. We have the checking of Nemec's manifesto in the case that was left behind in the Neomos hotel room, that it's got the audio there, that it's Nemec's voice. He lives on. Um, We've talked about the importance of that all we hear is about tyranny and whatever tyranny requires whatever response we're going to get a response this week maybe you know andor intentionally leaves it behind as some kind of calling card or moves it forward to other people so that they can get the word out and that nemic's sacrifice after the aldani heist is not in vain yeah, very, uh, I guess his manifesto was always kind of like on the table story-wise, like, you know, Andor has it. It's been so long since we've heard about it. I think the reminder are very conspicuous in terms of, you know, I would be surprised if next week, next week slash the week after that, which is to say uh, the season one finale or maybe the season two opener, which I know is not literally in two weeks, but um, in the next two episodes, I mean, that's the best way to put it. Nemec's manifesto as something that the folks are reading or they're listening to the they're listening to it or it's narrating a scene of people training that sort of thing we're definitely going to be circling back to that manifesto we've seen with saw here really the seeds of the paranoid broken character we see in rogue one who ultimately loses his life, gives up his life um, on Jeddah. Um, but, you know, the two tubes tells Luthen on his way in, he's in a mood, and then, you know, further put in a mood here, and then somehow brought out of it by Luthen that, all right, th- this is what we do in war, we, we sacrifice. Uh, but no wonder 
uh, later on, he's going to be so paranoid and employ his own truth-telling non-Dr. Gorst device with the Borgullet. Yeah, the the waffling nature of Saw, I don't think he's, he's not fully presented as can't make a choice, but um, I think it's interesting that, you know, he had given a hard no to Spellhouse and here it's like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to a point that Luthen's whole visit is there to kind of hammer saw into place to be a tool that fits in with the other tools, the tools of war and to get him to align perhaps not with the neo-Republicans and the separatists and the humanists and everything that was part of that prior speech, but to, to align with Luthen as Luthen aligns with other people and, you know, a lie, a lie, a lie, rebel Alliance. Is Clea in jeopardy? Um, if they kill off Clea next week, because story, story, I'll feel kind of bad. Listened in on, and he then bugged out of there. Yeah. Just emotionally, if, if the pound of flesh next week is, you know, the stormtroopers are coming to the shop and Luthen is doing a, you know, Luthen tells her, you know, to burn all the papers in the in the stove or whatever the Star Wars equivalent is. The Gungan is. shield. Yeah. And uh, Padme's uh, metal headdress and uh, all the other things there, the, the Carbonite uh, Indiana Jones uh, memorabilia in the back and uh, get yourself someplace safe. If she's the pound of flesh, that's not going to have a huge emotional resonance to me. She's a I cool character. Uh, I, I enjoy her presence on screen. I hope she's around for season two. That's not going to be the one where I'm like, oh, the price of war, Pete. Val and Cinta just wanted to love, and now they have been separated. Uh, or, you know, Brasso, what a friend. He's so nice to the dog, Pete. People who are nice to the dogs in stories, those are the good people. And people who are mean to the dogs are the bad people. Why, Brasso, why? I'm not going to have that feeling with Clea, I think, because she is such a cool customer. So I hope that's not where they go to get to get a lean pound of flesh. I have enjoyed the heck out of Elizabeth Dulau's performance here, particularly... In this episode, we've only once gotten to see her outside of the the gallery, uh, hair down, hood up, meeting with spiffed up Vel, uh, who we did not yet know was related to Mon Mothma. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really hoping does not go down that road. More Clea in the finale, please. More Clea in season two let's let's hope that she's not somebody that ultimately goes to scarif and and pays that price um we talked about saw a moment ago with the paranoia but also part of the unpredictability of the character i could see him matt all right yeah i said i wasn't gonna do anything luthan but then you left and I changed my mind and I sent a couple X-Wings to help out my boy, Anto Krieger. Um, that would give us a space battle for the finale. 
Um, which again, I don't, I don't know if we should expect that in Tony Gilroy's Star Wars. He might say you, you had, you had a really cool one, um, in in the, you know, in the penultimate episode. It is an interesting. You're, 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 you're proposing to split the baby in a really interesting way, which is the Krieger attack is doomed. What's a couple more X wings? You know, it's thirty men plus Anto Krieger. Well, what's thirty two men, two X wings? And or yeah, what's thirty-two men, two X-wings, and Anto Krieger? You know, they don't have to all die for the ISB to not think. Ah, we we have this band of rebels under our thumb. Again, looking at the story consideration, like there kind of should be a space battle in the finale. Going from that perspective, which maybe is not the most kind of critical pinky up way to start the discussion but i think you know it's fair to say hey make a stars war that's got space battle in the season finale before the show goes away for two years uh that is a way to do it we've been talking about Spellhouse for probably six episodes if not more um you want to give us a Spellhouse and a couple of old x-wings um you know maybe they're like and that's why we need more x-wings coming next year the animated show called X-Wing Origins, um, a multimedia thing, including an iOS game and so forth. Like, it, it could happen. It's Star Wars. Can Luthen go back to Coruscant? Yes, his Bondor Hallcraft, which might just be like a, you know, Ford Explorer in, you know, the Star Wars universe. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. He gave a different uh id from alderaan from the trade alliance there uh did they mark him in such a way beyond listening to his call there that uh they're gonna know who he is and where he is i think he was not marked by the empire in any way no tracking this or whatever but pete how did they communicate with him over the radio they have his voice who else would know his voice if he heard it again oh bix there you go so like and 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 so forth so i think there's just enough to go we didn't have we didn't put poison in the well but there's just enough to be able to get back there again if the show wants to go in that direction i don't think it's guaranteed that next week I remember this way. I'll even go further. I would not be surprised if Luthen is disconnected from the the main thrust of next week's episode. Um, but you know, I, I think there's that possibility. Didn't Karn as well say I'd recognize his voice if I heard it? Yes. So there, you know, Karn is headed there as well. So I think I think there's plenty of possibility there. Um, it's not a guarantee, but I think, you know, he could have gotten clean away except the one security guy who happens to care enough to happen to come back, hears that voice, and all of a sudden says, it's you. Um, that, that I think there's a decent chance of happening. Having sold the secrecy all season long of Luthen to have that be taken away at the end of the first season, I think it'd be an appropriate cost as well. 
Are you ready to make your season one finale predictions, Matt? I think I am. Um, I'll, 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 I think I've kind of hit the path throughout our theories here. Space battle. I mean, Andoron Ferrix, I think, a given. Uh, a funeral scene. Space battle. Comeuppance to Mira, but I think she's not going to get so much of a comeuppance that, like, I think Mira gets bloodied, but does not get demoted. Um, I think, I, I, I think we get for the first time most of the episodes surrounding the one location of Ferrix, most of the characters there. Um, I don't want to say a self-contained episode, but I, th- I don't think we're going to have the A plot and the B plot and the C plot. And oh. Two tubes is back for a D plot. Um, you don't have any Coruscant with um, I, I think that if we get some Coruscant stuff, it will be as I said, a five to eight minute. You know, the IRS is here. The books, there's book troubles. This and that, the other. Your only way out. You know, the Emperor's office is offering. Uh, is offering you a deal. Maybe if you just resign and stop being a thorn in his side, we can make all of this go away. Uh, oh, but we're seizing all your stuff, so now you've gone from rich senator to penniless. Perrin has left you. You're out of the Senate. Where will you go to? Ha, 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 we don't care. Oh, she's going to be a major force in the Rebel Alliance in the next five years, seven years, and so forth. Um, but yeah, I really think most of it is going to be Ferrix and or all of that. Any big cameos coming as Star Wars on TV on Disney Plus has been wont to do? I would like my hero, sometimes villain, my hero Tony Gilroy to say, we're not doing any bleeping cameos. We're not doing Chewbacca. We're not doing the 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 whatever. Uh, we're not doing Darth Vader. But he um, was part of the team that went back and added Darth Vader to Rogue One. You know what, Pete? Look, we we all we all have we all have our bosses. Okay, um, I think that I think that the the structure that this show has created in eleven episodes, the structure would be deflated a bit if the big cameo is. Here's Yoda at the Jedi Temple. I, in fact, Pete, I, I'll do one better. I would I would argue more for the big actor cameo, whatever it might be, you know, and playing the new uh, senator uh, from Chandrilla is Adele. I'd rather go something <laughs> like that than be like, wait, who's that in the dark? It's Darth Vader. Like, this show has been so... Let's let's go on the new trail here. You know, hashtag Is Senator Adele properly predicted an Adele. I, I think we're saying her name wrong. I read recently we're all saying her name wrong. Um, it's probably really the Chandrillan uh, pronunciation. And, and Matt has done this. Then I demand the mega million numbers. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. Tongue in cheek. Uh, Adele guest starring in next week's season finale of Andor. All right. Here go my predictions on the season one finale, Matt. Marva has laid a trap. Um, B has a hollow of her. Uh, they're going to play her uh, message. He's going to 
play her message at the funeral, and then it's going to go down. Uh, Cinta poisons Korv at the cafe. Get rid of him. And then uh, for just the second time ever, there will be a credit scene on uh, a Star Wars show. First one, of course, happening at the end of Mandalorian Season 2 when we were told the Book of Boba Fett was coming. We saw the um, execution of uh, a bloated Bib Fortuna by uh, Boba Fett and the taking of the throne of Jabba uh, the Hutt's palace. Uh, We are going to find out what exactly the pieces that were being assembled in the Narkina 5 factory prison go to, and they will be assembled by droids in space for the Death Star. I love all those predictions, first and foremost being the hollow Marva reveal. It makes me think of... Um, it makes me think of the, the big green head of the wizard of Oz in the wizard of Oz. And then how that was also reinterpreted as, uh, in the film Inglorious bastards, when Shoshana is there on the movie screen laughing as there's, you know, as the fire starts and chaos is unfolding and so forth. So to kind of draw a line from, from wizard of Oz to a, you know, fairly recent world war two movie, uh, to, star wars and the notion that you know like i have this image based on your words Pete. i have this image of fiona shaw's marva being like you know ah ha 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 the way melanie melanie laurent did in inglorious bastards as the hotel starts to explode or as the flood or whatever it might be um i think you could be onto something here with those uh, heads up predictions Our rebel spies have sent us some secret transmissions. Pete, we go to Twitter. It's still here. Um, And uh, people were able to rate uh, their thoughts on this episode of of Andor. Um, The lowest one, Pete, cry emoji. Grieve for Stars War. Got 0%. Uh, Two blades, hashtag save saw, 2.6%. Three heavy bricks. Uh, 26.3%. And then four explosions. Fondor Explosive got 71.1%. We heard from JT Atkins. JTA is me. Uh, well, that's two weeks in a row uh, when something went right for poor Cassian amidst concurrent tragedies. And oh, my goodness, the tender pathos of B. He's like a faithful golden retriever who can talk and grieve such heartfelt scenes. Can, uh, please, can B have a happy ending? Yeah. Um, James is sagacious. Big Killen on Twitter says definitely not the best episode, but it puts everyone on a collision course. Uh, Steve Thurburge, that's at Steve Thurburge on Twitter, says same feelings uh, as the end of the Axe Forgets. So much tension, too much. But now it's a finale, albeit season, not series. Mon Mothma's daughter wants to be betrothed. Everybody wins. Luthen needs to hide slash relocate. Next week on Ferrex, putting the fun in funeral? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> time will tell um also as steve shared a gift gif uh, uh and or at the end of the next episode it's a man walking away from a car just as the another car hits the first car so okay the, the notion here pete of just barely escaping uh trouble here 
Next, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln at TessLC139. It was a good penultimate episode, but it was not great, at least compared to every other episode in this first season. I liked the relative advancement of the story, but was left feeling both dissatisfied and hopefully expectant for what should be a spectacular finale. Noel Gardner at Noel Camille says there have been so many cute droids in Star Wars, but B2's emotions at Marva's death was heartbreaking. So many moving parts right now. Try hard Troy did not need to get a lead. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mon Mothma's daughter is super suspicious. I have to end with Lucian's ship. Was that lightsaber technology? Pete, I will ask you her question. Was that lightsaber technology? When I had first seen in one of the trailers I, I wish they'd held that shot out of the the two red beams projecting would a good guy use red lightsaber technology probably not i mean matt it's a fondor hallcraft not a darth mallcraft right um pete while we're on the topic of you answer uh, the question folks <laughs> Look, he's he's half he's he's murky between good and bad. Um, something I forgot to ask during theories uh, and Noel's questionnaires reminded me. Pete, was that a cudgel or was that a lightsaber hilt that he handed over to uh, to the the screeners there at Saw's place? I've gone back and checked. It is the hilt to his walking stick we saw in episode three. A walking stick that also could be turned into a lightsaber, and he's a Jedi, and Luke Skywalker is going to save the day, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by everybody's favorite Obi-Wan Kenobi from the summer, Ewan McGregor. Huh? Okay, maybe not. Pete, last tweet here comes from Arya Needs a Spinoff, that's uh, at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on the embattled Twitter. Uh, okay, Luthen's ship was... Pete, he says, bad A, dollar sign, dollar sign. I guess that's how the kids talk these days. Uh, and that, that dish destruction was an invitation effect. How long was he in prison? At one point, he said it was 30 days later. Did they mention the time again? Anyone fully expect to see Kino again? Sad to see Marva go, but I feel so bad for B2. Pete, lots of questions there. Let's zero in on this, something we did not discuss. Do we see Kino next week? Pete, to the Gmail inbox we go, and first email here from Stacy, actually sent for last week's podcast. We have to admit, there's a little behind-the-scenes real-life stuff going on, and normally we record these episodes on Saturdays. We kind of cheated and, and did it Friday night, so apologies to Stacy here. Sometimes, you know, real life happens, busy time of year and so forth, uh, but we're going to give Stacy full focus here in an email she entitled, One Way Out. Uh, she says, I remember a few episodes ago when I was all excited for the heist at Aldani. Um, but whoo, the episodes since then have been even better. I love all the political intrigue. It's just so good. This episode, again, the One Way Out episode, had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was so tense. I kept waiting for Cassian and Kino to get caught, stopped for Kino to get killed. It was one of those episodes where you spend the whole time talking to the TV and the cat keeps looking at you like you've lost your mind. Thursday morning, a coworker <laughs> greeted me with, What's the scariest sentence in the Empire? I can't swim. What an amazing performance by Circus, but we all know the rule of fiction. No body, no death. I believe we'll see Kino again, even if it is to sacrifice himself with Cassian. Andy Circus is too good to have his death happen off screen. Mon Mothma's interaction with Davos Skulldun was also amazing. 
I love it when someone appreciates a woman who speaks her mind, even if he is trying to take advantage of her precarious financial situation. I wonder if she will end up matching her daughter with his son. Uh, but will it be because Lita wants to? Probably not to help her mom, but for dot, 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 other reasons. Again, Pete, that's a really heads up uh, prediction there ahead of what we've now learned in this latest episode. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, man, he just kills it every time. Lonnie asked Luthen what he sacrificed, and I thought, dude, everything. But Luthen subscribes to the Jed Bartlett family manner of speaking. In my house, anyone who uses one word when they could have used ten just isn't trying hard. Then he finishes with everything and tells Lonnie he can't quit. Time to be a hero. I cannot wait to see what the last two episodes hold, uh, but I know they're going to be good. After this episode, looking forward to your thoughts even more than usual. So, Pete, I'm glad that we were able, a able to hear from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88 on Twitter, uh, even belatedly as it was. And though they're about the last episode, um, I think a lot of threads still hanging over from that. So uh, thanks again, Stacy, for writing in. Pete, we also hear from Robert Munro, who says, I expect to feel sad for Andrew's mother and B2 by the end of the season. Uh, now, this was sent This was sent on Monday, so it was prior to the episode that we are discussing now. Um, uh, but he has an interesting idea, Robert says. In Solo, we saw Droid's brain transferred into the Falcon. What if B2 is damaged in a heroic act, but Andor manages to collect some parts, including B2's memory storage or processor? Could these components be part of the process that K2 goes through mm -hmm. to become the character we love from Rogue One? It certainly is a long way from programming uh, the programming of the over-literal muscle droid we saw in Episode 7 of Andor to the lively, full, fully realized personality K2 has in Rogue One. I haven't seen anything concrete to show that that is actually coming. Andor's relationship with B2 does remind me of him and K2, though. I'm sure the show's creators intended the similarity, whether they take the next step to literally connect the two droids, dot, dot, dot. Thanks again for a wonderful program. Pete, I, I agree we are not on the cusp of that happening, but I think very quickly to go to the droid guy and say, what can you do? Like, we're, we're a couple of science fiction steps away. We're one science fiction scene away from that being a very real possibility. We are... And I've seen this proposed elsewhere. I, I think it's sold better here. So thank you for that. Um, I'm just wary of wiping out what B2 EMO is to become K2. Um, K2SO. Uh, although now that I'm saying the full <laughs> names, <laughs> have we been looking at it the whole time? R2D2, though? you know, doesn't become K2. I don't know. I, I just, you, you're wiping out B and, and who he is. Like, can't we have some more B can't B get away and, you know, continue to survive in our hearts, even though we know that we've already got a sacrifice K2 and we haven't even met him yet. We hear from Steve Adams, who says this show uh, really does keep getting better. By the way, Pete, this sent, uh, I suspect, after his viewing of this episode, sent a uh, Wednesday evening. I was disappointed to see Marva had died off screen. I do think it worked well in the story, though. How can a droid be so heartbroken, and how can it affect the audience so much? It was frightening to see the condition of Bix, and I have to wonder what her fate will be. 
Mon Mothma's story continues to hold my attention. Will we see a resolution to her story next week? It continues to amaze me how well-written Andor is. Again, minimal action this week, but it was locked in the whole time and uh, was surprised when the episode ended. It felt half as long as it actually was. I'm definitely looking forward to the season finale next week, as well as hearing your thoughts about it. So until then, stay fantastic. Pete, that's from Steve, uh, Steve Adams. Thanks, Steve. And indeed, Pete, with just one episode to go for the season, and of course, two episodes left for this season of the podcast, talking the finale and the season wrap. Uh, we want to thank everybody who supports us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, particularly this time of year as some of those end of year bills come in for the storage and the bandwidth and all the technology that uh, is our Fondor droid that makes things go. And given that while we've not returned to uh, 2019, 185 ish podcasts, uh territory but we're at 116 at this point and we'll certainly have more content as we finish out the year uh yeah bandwidth all those storage costs etc cetera, etc cetera. um so everybody who gets over to patreon.com uh slash fantastic geek uh that can contribute you help us take care of all those costs um takes just a dollar a month uh and everybody that's helping out there again so grateful for that if you're not in a position where you can't throw us at least a dollar there at the end of the year you can get over to apple podcasts you can leave us a rating you can leave us a review and like i said until uh we pull a name out um on november 28th during our uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special podcast. You're going to be entered into a drawing for a number of those uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, digital movie codes. So get a little something out of it yourself as we try to get back to you. And we'll certainly keep the conversation going. Uh, Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? <laughs> for now. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,637 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Pete, there's a variety of ways in case any social media sites cease to operate in the next week. Uh, we are Fantastic Geek on FantasticGeek.com. You can leave a comment there. Fantastic Geek on Gmail and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H, all one word. Like it today. So on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, uh, we're going to next be talking, wait for it, the final episode of Andor, uh, but also coming soon uh, on that pop culture podcast feed uh, will be the uh, guardians of the galaxy holiday special that'll be simulcast on the marvel movie podcast feed as well if you're just here for the andor goodness got the next couple weeks where we are wrapping things up there uh on the andor podcast feed with all that in mind pete i will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word i don't have lately i have always 